0: I'm invited to take out your Bibles, but you're not going to turn to Hosea this morning. Um, We as a fellowship have been very blessed um, within several years. As the shoe comes and picks it up, they don't just magically disappear. Mm-hmm. And so I invite Josh and Nikki Saddleminer to come on up here. Or maybe, <laughs> or maybe just Josh, I forgot. Thanks, Welcome. Thank you. Thanks. I don't normally be Nikki, but I should just let some of you that I've talked to her, she's been having a voice issue for the past about a year and a half now is what it's been going on. So the doctors have tried. They've tried. Of mm-hmm. prayers that she can get her voice back soon. So I'll be done. <laughs> Keep you, you could do it, if you want. will be you somewhere else. Once go, go there. But, uh, I'm just going to close by sharing a little bit about our ministry and what we do, it and um, get you in the loop for that. So, um, this morning I want to talk a little bit about legacy. Um, and the reason I want to talk about legacy is recently, uh, last month, my dad was also a pastor here in town at Donna, a church called Cross my Church by in High School. Uh, you might have seen it. It's that church over right across the street. Um, he just retired from full-time pastor after four. That was just last month, and oh, we had a big celebration for him. It was a lot of fun. But one thing that can got me thinking about was that it got me thinking a lot about legacy and what we're leaving behind because, you know, we are kind of celebrating my dad's legacy that weekend. And, you know, you can't help but start to think about your own legacy and what you're leaving behind. And, and so um, I want to just share some thoughts of that this morning. And, and as long as we are still on this earth, our race is not over. And kind of what I want to put before you today is that, the most satisfying and fulfilling life is the life that runs the race laid out for us by God until we reach the finish line, which is heaven, right. And so, um, this means that until we reach heaven, we have not finished our race, and which means that you and I are not done our races yet. Um, we just wrapped up the Olympics. Anybody watch the Olympics? Any Olympic fans in here? No? No? I, I, I love watching the Olympics. I'm just a sports fan. I watch pretty much any sport players out there. Olympics, you know, I enjoy watching them fall, you hear so many stories of so many athletes, and, you know, like, trying to accumulate years and years of training and preparation with that, to win that coveted gold medal, right? That's something they've been striving for and challenging for, and, you know, none of those people just stumbled in the Olympics, right? None of them thought, uh, you know, the Olympics are next week, maybe I should go and try out and see if I can be a part of the Olympics, right? It, it didn't happen that way, right? They, they put in years of cooling work and years of training. They had years of strict diet. So Up to me it was um, Caleb Dressel. He was an American swimmer. Actually, I found out he's a, a community Christian, by the way, too. Um, but he had uh, won five gold medals at this last Olympics. Five gold medals. It was, I think it was the most at the Olympics for, for any athlete. He won five gold medals in the interview, and he had also had something else new in His life well. that year, he had gotten married in the February before the Olympics. But one of the things that they found out was that he had missed out on one of the traditions that most. That To on the honeymoon because he said he'd been so focused on training and preparing for the Olympics that they just didn't have the time to take the honeymoon. So the, the interviewer said, well, are you going to do a honeymoon when you get back? And He said, you know what? When I get home from the Olympics, I'm going to take three weeks off from the pool and we're going to go on a honeymoon. I think three weeks off after the Olympics are done. That's all the time off gonna day is just three weeks, you know? We see soldiers are focused on swimming and, and preparing for those next tournaments and even the next Olympics. That after three weeks, he's going to jump right back into it and get prepared for those, those next events. And I think that we need that kind of focus in our lives for the things of God. And so, like I mentioned, we had that, that uh, last month thing, you know, weekend, we had a big retirement ceremony for my dad. And, you know, we had people coming in from out of town, and it was a lot of fun seeing a lot of old, familiar faces. And we had a lot of special events celebrating his, his faithfulness things like that get me thinking about my life and my legacy. And so I think it's good for us to take time throughout our lives to evaluate our legacy. Think about what kind of impact we're having and what kind of legacy we're leaving behind for our children. You know, I think of what kind of legacy am I leaving behind for my children. We have two little girls who are in the children's ministry next door, a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And they're a lot of fun and keep us on our toes for sure. But but I just think about what kind of legacy am I going to be leaving behind Can I make a difference in this world for Jesus and his kingdom? And what will people remember me for? Something I I like to think about. What will Jesus say about me when I get to heaven? And so some little elements of legacy that I think I'd love to leave behind. Just to mention a few is one, would be faithfulness. I'd love that to be part of my legacy. I want to be remembered for never giving up on the call of God in my life. I want to to never quit but remain faithful to God and what he's called me to do and run the race that he's laid out for. I want to partner with God to reach the lost, the poor, the needy, and the hurting and events that kingdom out of Jesus all in my days. Another thing would be integrity. That's something I'd like to leave behind. I've been naked and I've been married for 18 years, and we've been together for more than that. But I want to remain faithful by our side for the rest of our, our time on this earth together. I don't want to fall into any kind of scandals. I don't want to fall into any sexual scandals, financial scandals, or really scandals of any kind. I want to be known as someone who kept their Pastor has um, put the ministry of their church ahead of their family and lost their family. And so I'd, I'd definitely like family to be part of my legacy. Another thing would be obedience. I'd like to leave behind a legacy of obeying God. I want to be remembered as someone who sought obedience to God in all things, whether small or big. I went to college to study youth ministry when, and out, out of college, I didn't served as a youth pastor for eight years, but I was in that eight. Starting so when God spoke us to leave the youth ministry and the, and the church we're at, and it was kind of like an Abraham moment where God said, "I'm not going to exactly show you what you're going to, but I'm just telling you, trust me by faith and take a step out and take a step of faith without exactly knowing for sure where we were going." And it was a hard decision because we didn't have anything specifically lined up. That's a, a challenging and a scary thing, and it was a big step of faith. But we had to choose whether we would be obedient or whether we'd choose security. So we've, we've made that hard step of obedience. And those are the kinds of things that I would like to leave behind um, as part of my legacy. I want to be known as someone who prioritizes God's kingdom and his will above anything else. And then one last thing that I'd like to be remembered for is, is more, but just I'll just mention a few. Generosity. I'd like to be remembered as someone who gave his life to others. I want to be remembered for being generous with my time, my talents, my money. I want to serve others and also help fund the events. are you living behind? You know, when it comes time for your retirement, what will be said about you and how will people remember you? Or when it comes time for you to leave this earth and all of your friends and family gather together for your funeral, what kind of things will be said about you at your funeral? Are you living for this world or for the next? Or as I've heard it said at times over the years, what on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? The Bible talks about this quite a lot, and so I want to look at two people in particular who gave a lot of thought to this topic. And one of them um, is the Apostle Paul, who you could argue is one of the greatest Christians that ever live on the earth outside of Jesus. And he probably did more for the events of the Gospel and Christianity than anyone outside of Jesus himself. And so if you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24, we're going to jump around a few of Paul's letters here this morning. And we'll start one of them with one one the ones you want this morning, which is good. Uh, but 1 Corinthians 9, <clears throat> and Paul here is picking up on the Olympics chapter nine verse twenty four. I gotta see some electronic I hear some pages turning so hang on from a I I was a Bible teacher for a few years and I've been in Christian school and I tell the kid to be in Revelation you've gone too far. <clears throat> so first Corinthians 9 verse 24. I'm gonna be reading from the New Living that's just a translation that I enjoy reading myself. And Paul says Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one Surprise. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And so I think just as those Olympic athletes give everything to win, everything they have to win at temporary medals, how much more should we give to get an eternal reward? And so which crown are you living for? Let's start over to Hebrews chapter 12. chapter 12, right at the beginning, verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> verse 1 and 2. Just a few books to the right from where you were. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And here Paul tells us to lay aside every Sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us? Looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What race is set before you? What is the purpose that God has put you on this earth for? God has a race for you to run in this life, and you aren't here by accident. I'm a strong believer that nobody is here on this earth by accident. And you were made for You know, whether it might be your teenage years, whether it might be your career years, or maybe it might even be your retirement years. There's a purpose for you on this earth. And notice it doesn't say to walk in this race. What does it say to do? Run, right? That conveys a sense of urgency. It conveys can a sense of effort. And so let's get our eyes on Jesus and run the race. He's given us with everything that we have. We're going to go next to 2 Timothy 4. So just a little bit to the left. 2 Timothy 4, 17 this morning. Second Timothy four seventeen. Right after first Timothy. Second Timothy four seventeen. And I said, get Paul. He says, I have thought finish the race that I gave us, that we fought, we've been fighting, we've kept the faith. And then lastly from Paul, we're going to look at Acts 20. Acts 20, right after the gospel's Says, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Again, what race and what task has God called you Has God given you? Have you asked Jesus these questions? What an amazing mentality that Paul had. That he said that if he did not finish the race and the task that God had put him on this earth for, he said his life would be worth nothing to so, Paul had completed the course that was set before him, and he had left nothing in doubt of what God had given him to do. He gave everything he had for the cause of Christ, and he was ready to cross the finish line. Talked about this issue of legacy. Number 12, verse 16 to 20. Mm-hmm. Starting verse 16, it says that he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, What should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. But he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, no, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? My head is think this guy's kind of, sounds kind of like the American dream, doesn't it? He kind of worked hard. He worked hard his whole life and then he was just going to coast and coast in the rest of his life. Um, just worry about what he You know, he worked hard and saved a lot of money. And now he can just take it easy and just coast through life the rest of his years. You know, be his own boss, and do what he wants to do, how he wants to do, when he wants to do it. That's what a lot of people in our country aspire to, right? Just that kind of lifestyle. But what was Jesus' analysis? Jesus a season as long as we are still alive and on this earth. We still have an assignment to do. We still have a race to run, and we still have a task to complete. When we get to heaven, we'll be amazed and blown away to be there. But I think I think, part of the things that we might have a little bit of a Schindler's List moment, I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, but <clears throat> Schindler's List, for those of you that is about a, a real man named Oscar Schindler who lived in Germany during World War II. He was a very successful, wealthy prominent business, German business owner. Time as he started seeing the atrocities being done to the Jews, he decided that he couldn't just sit by and do nothing. And he committed his life to saving as many lives as he could. What he basically did was he began to hire the Jews to come work in his factory because that would keep them out of danger from being up concentration camps. He spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars just hiring as many Jews as he could to come work in his plant. Not only did that, but he threw away more thousands of dollars bribing the German SS officers turn a, a blind eye to what he was doing and keep those Jews safe. And he's credited with single-handedly saving the lives of 1,200 Jews during the Holocaust, in Germany at that time. And if you've seen the movie, uh, at the end of the movie, he's there saying his goodbyes because it's at the end of the war when the Jews are now free to go f- to go and live again in freedom. Except like, so now, at this moment, he's going to have to flee for his own life. And he's saying his goodbyes to the Jews that are there and he, he just starts crying. And he just thinks, starts he says, I could have done more. I could have saved more. He looks at his car behind him, and he says, this car. I could have sold this car and it could have saved 10 more lives. He looks at a gold pin on his jacket, he says, this pin. This pin could have saved 2 more lives. And I just think that part of us, I think, is going to have that moment where we, reach out where we think everything. We could have done more for the cause of Christ. We could have done more. And, and just that realization that we could have done more for God's kingdom. So let me ask again, what earth? At the end of Jesus' life, he gives another powerful statement in John 17, verse 4. If you want to bring there, you can. I'll read it as well. There's a powerful statement. At the end of his life, kind of looking over his life, kind of like Paul did at the end of his life. I'll look over how he had done accomplishing God's will for his life. And he says in John 17, 4, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. But will we be able to say the same thing at the end of that we completed the work that God gave us to do, that we partner with him in our lifetime to do all that we can to advance the kingdom of God on the earth. So what legacy are you forging? What are you doing to advance the kingdom of heaven? You might say, you oh, know, Josh, those those are great, but that's the Apostle Paul the Jesus you're talking about, right? there, on a whole other level. But if you look at 1 Corinthians 11, 1. So we must follow in Paul's and Jesus' example here. As long as you have breath in your lungs and a heart beating in your chest, your work here on earth is not complete. Your race is not over and your task is not finished. That is true for me, it's true for Nikki, and it's true for you as well. And so what changes do you need to make? Maybe you have no idea what your race and your task are, and so i would just suggest just a few things to get us started here today. Number one. Take notes to write this down, but number one, start by asking Jesus. Start by asking Jesus. Ask him to reveal to you the legacy that he wants you to leave. Ask him what changes he may want you to make. Pray God will listen to his will for your life. Maybe you have never truly asked God what he wants you to accomplish with your life. Ask him what priorities he might want you to shift. There are lifetime races and there are seasonal races. So not only what is God's calling for What is God's calling for this season in your life? Maybe, for example, God might be calling you as a lifelong calling to go into foreign missions, go on the mission field full time. But maybe for this season, God's calling you to get out of debt so that you can get yourself in a position to be able to go on the mission field. A second thing we can do is surrender your will to His. Surrender your will to His. No matter what the answer is, tell Jesus that you will follow His plan. Say yes before you even tell change He's just calling you to make. He will run the race that He sets before you. You will fight the fight that He's calling you to fight. You will complete the task He's set before you. the third thing would be take the next step of obedience. Take the next step of obedience. What is the next step that God is calling you to take? Maybe it's to get out of debt. Maybe it is to get involved serving in the ministry. Maybe it is to start using your finances to fund the kingdom of God more aggressively by increasing your giving. Maybe it is to start witnessing to your family about Jesus. Or maybe it is to turn down that promotion that will double your workload so that you can spend more time investing in your family. And then a fourth thing. Satisfied and fulfilling life is the life that runs the race that is laid out for us by God until we reach the finish line of And so I mean, Joy and satisfaction over the legacy that we're leaving behind and over the life that we have lived. Or I think we can look over our lives with regret, with a bunch of would have, could have, and should have. Doing like we wasted so much time, wasted so much energy, wasted so much money that could have been used to advance the kingdom of Jesus and build. Spirit is here this with us this morning. God's presence is here, and I believe He's doing what He did. It does best, which is speaking to our hearts and minds. And so, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning? What is He working inside of you? How is He wanting to shape your legacy? Maybe it's to commit to living with greater integrity. Maybe you've had some questionable decisions in your past, or made some major mistakes in your past, and then, but your past doesn't define second chances, and you can choose today to live the last rest of your life with integrity. Or perhaps the Holy Spirit is telling you in your heart to commit to building a stronger family legacy. You know, and it's so easy for work, career, money, and advancement to distract us from building our family legacy. It's so easy to get caught up in the daily grind of chores and survival. And there, But there's no time like the present to commit to being a better. Maybe start reading some marriage and parenting books. Maybe go to a marriage seminar. Start setting aside date nights each week for, for you and your spouse, or set aside nights each week for just family time as a family. Maybe the Holy Spirit is calling you into the mission field or into full-time ministry. You know, when Nikki's dad, um, for a lot of years, he was running away from God. He committed his life to God as a, as a young man, he served God in his teens and early twenties, but at a certain point, he decades really of his life just running from God. And, um, he became very successful in the world's eyes. He worked his way up, and a you very know, uh, prominent. oil and gas company. It was making six figures in his lifetime. It was overseeing his company as operations in, in the country of Africa, and was just doing all the things that the world will say success, but um, just a little sign up. This has nothing to do with the story, but you've been Day for 11 years, and that's just the power of for, him for years, And finally, one day, after having his second or third marriage, he had fallen apart, just he hit the bottom of his rope and God just got a hold of his life again. He, he committed his life, recommitted his life to God. And, and after a few years of, of recommitting his life to God, he felt God calling him into full time ministry. You see, initially he felt help in the ministry as a young man and was serving his church being ministry, but through all the years of running from God, he, that really got him buried. But He just felt God calling him back in. Give up this prominent position, and it was this very similar thing to what I told you earlier. He didn't have all the answers. He wasn't sure how it was going to look, but he just felt like God over and over. again. 50s so of all this happened to me. When, when most people are thinking about that last stretch before the retirement, trying to line up the 401k properly and get all that stuff in order, he um, just felt like God had a different path and plan for his life. And so, maybe God's calling you into full-time ministry. It doesn't matter what age you are, whether you're young or old. God can use you no matter what. Or maybe God is calling you to be more generous, more generous with your time, more generous with your money. You can start giving it all away like Oscar Schindler to save lives. Some people, I believe, some people are called to make a lot of money so that they can give away a lot of money. God doesn't bless us just to hold on to it. He blesses us to be a blessing to others. And not everybody is called in the full-time ministry. Some people are called to help fund and support the ministry that's doing like Calvary Chapel, Redeeming Grace. Obviously, ministries like that and like our ministry depend on people um, being generous with their their money and their time. So maybe that's what God's calling you to do, to be more generous with your money. After all, you can't take any of it with you when you die. I was thinking on the way here this morning, how many of us, at the end of our life would think of all of the stuff we accumulated and be proud of all of the possessions we accumulated. I think more of what we'd be proud of is how many lives are we be able to change with, with the money and the possessions that God gave us. And so, um, and also maybe even just volunteering your time, being generous with your time, come alongside and volunteer with, with, with churches like Calvary Chapel, Redeeming Grace, or with, with our ministry, Richard leaving volunteer to help make a difference in our community. Not everyone's called to start their own ministry but you can certainly serve them. And then we must all ask ourselves, what are the foundations of my legacy? Are they superficial things of earth or everlasting things of heaven? Are we storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy? So what on earth are you doing for heaven's sake? um, Like I said, the most satisfying and fulfilling life is the life that runs the race that God has laid off for us until we reach the finish line, which is it. I want to look at one last verse from Jesus here in Matthew 25, if you want to turn there. 25, verse 34. This has kind of been, and it verse um, for, for the ministry, the type of ministry we do. This has been where we really tend to take a lot of our um, marching orders from. Matthew 25, starting at verse 34. Jesus talking here says, Then the king will come to those of Israel. Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones were, My Lord, when do we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger to show you hospitality? Or it and give you clothing? Or did we ever see you sick or in the prison and visit you? And the king will say, I'll tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And so uh, part of the latest thing I want to leave behind is ministering to the, the lost, the poor, the needy, the hurting, and the broken. Just as Jesus was there. And we've been giving our lives to this cause for several years now and started our own ministry called Reach of Relief. And so, maybe I wanted to just share a little bit about our ministry and how you can partner with us to reach the lost. Do you want to come no, up All right. Um, so, all right. <laughs> just so people can see it. Nick is actually the, the director of, of our ministry. I don't know I'm doing all the <laughs> She's getting all the details and, the, the, and get everything organized. But our mission is to reach hurting with the love of Christ, and to help relieve them from their suffering. But our vision is to meet the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of the hurting, needing, and lost, and to share the transforming power of God's love and grace with them. We basically try to take Jesus' model, where if you read through the Gospels, he usually doesn't just tell them about God, he usually makes a practical need first, and then he uses that as an opportunity to share the love of God. And so that's what we try to do, we try to meet some kind of practical need, in the So I just want to share a few of the things that we that we do in our ministry. Um, we do a food pantry. Obviously, during the pandemic, we switched to a good drive-through model just because um, it was it was one of those things that nobody really knew how to do what we're doing, but it just felt like that would be helpful. And um, I remember that first that first um, time we did it at the end of March. It was crazy. It was just a little side story. It was like the week after COVID hit, the whole city had shut down. Um, but we were considered an essential service because we were providing essential services for the community. And so we thought, well, this is what we're, we're, we're really facing. This is where we need to shine, you know. But, but we were nervous about coming at the same time. So we didn't want a lot of volunteers coming. So we did it with 99 or two little girls and one um, elder lady That was one. Uh, and literally over 200 people came, came through the jobs. I mean, my kids were crying. It was, it was, a, it was a disaster. But, we to some people, but, but so we started doing that. Was our first drive to the We've done a few homes since then. the, the groceries outside. Um, we try to just do whatever the community needs and whatever whatever opportunities God provides for us. Lately, the food has we all like, the benefits of the government's been giving. The food has definitely slowed down, so we're trying to switch up how we do things and trying to see. Um, we set up a store recently where we can have people come in and pick up the groceries that they need. Clothing, when we used to do it indoors, but again, with COVID, we start doing it outdoors, and I think it works better outdoors, because it kind of looks like a cross-stone. Uh, people see it, they're curious, and they come by. You know, we, we just, like we said, COVID naked, we try to get clothes to people. We have people from El Paso, but we also get quite a of people from waters that come through there just looking for clothes, either for themselves or even to help with their sustenance. Some of, some of those people rely on getting items here in El Paso and taking them across to sell and want us to be able to survive and make a income kind of and so we do. Obviously, last year with COVID, we, we didn't do a dinner part of it, but we gave out baskets uh, of Thanksgiving turkeys and, and sides and all that stuff. So, there was a Thanksgiving meal in a basket. Um, so, we did, did that each year. have some of the baskets we gave away last year. Um, we uh, we'd like to do a big Christmas toy giveaway. Um, three years ago, we did a big Christmas party where we had a special So we put people that came and watched the play for us and had the an opportunity to hear the gospel. And then we came to a little Christmas party in the next room where we had a little store set up where the kids could pick up a toy and we had games and crafts and snacks and all sorts of stuff for them. Um, that was pretty awesome. We even had a little set of class come out with um, guy that we know We uh, uh, a bunch of toys. The last year we did it outdoors again because of the COVID concerns. And we actually ended up in ourselves last year. really stepped up and helped us out last year, with a few other volunteers there's one, I think, with a couple of kids there in that picture. And so that was a i wonder. sharing and praying and with each other. And that's been a powerful time. Well, yeah. oh, it's at 6 o'clock on Mondays, 6 to 8 on Mondays. Um, so there's a picture of the group there, and it's been really good. That's important. There's child care as well. Child care, I have one of their snacks in the mornings. they you know, um, so that, that's been really, really awesome. See what God's doing for our uh, ministry. Well, we started recently just on the uh, May We're supposed to start in March after the city shut down, so we had to delay it for this year, but we started doing a youth outreach to Hanks High School. We're literally right across the street from Hanks. Um, there's a long-star laundromat right there off of Montenegy Street, and we're right behind them there. And so um, we started doing youth outreach where we just do a free lunch, and we invite like the just to come. We, we do a little a day, and we do a nice speaker, and then we reach, it's not like a little, we're like back about 40 minutes, 30 minutes, and we, we do a testimony of how God's changed the life. And so it's been cool because it's Pretty much all our church kids coming, you know. Really, uh, I think very few of them have any kind of church involvement. And just a couple weeks, right before we've been on fall break the last two weeks, so they haven't been to school, but right before that, Nikki shared her testimony. And, and one of the girls who came up to her afterwards and said, You know what? First of all, the girl was on her phone the whole time, so Nikki was getting frustrated. She's not even paying attention. But at then she comes up to Nikki, and I'll talk, you know, I'll do the whole thing. But you never know, because afterwards she came up to me and said, You know what? I really needed to hear that. She said, I haven't been to church in a I feel like I was wanting to get back involved and, and come back to him. So you never know if it was this to you. You never know if was this <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, I> to <just laughs> So it's been really cool to see that. We have kids coming. Um, I mean, we do both lunches at Hanks. There's Mickey and I was there. We've got stuff in the home. And she was praying for the kids. And then we did a vacation Bible school this summer. For a little intimidation sometimes to step through the doors of a church. And um, we've had a bad experience with who knows what. But, so whatever we do, it's really awesome to see God brings a lot of unchurched people through our doors, which is really cool. And so when we did our VBS again, we had, we, you know, they don't know how to act in church, you know, kids <laughs> misbehaving and parents, you know, you don't have parents just sticking around and listening. You know, it wasn't for them, but they wanted to just stick around and, and see what God was doing. and So that was really cool. We did that this summer as well. Um, was one little small group. Those are two little girls. stores stores, um, the home we're having trouble, so we just made meals and different them to them, you know, just looking for opportunities we can to, to show the love of God, so we had some people come to deliver the meals for us, they took orders, and then just uh, a few weeks ago, we did some hygiene bags for the Afghani refugees, we had a contact with someone who's been going out every a few times a week to some of the refugees out there and just ministering to them, and so we made some hygiene are not <laughs> Tonya, and then just it a long time. shop. There's like 9000 right now. Up there. And they, the guy who lost it, literally, they just, whenever they grab in a few moments, they just had to flee quickly from their home. So they just grab whatever they can. was heavy. And so they don't have a lot. So we're just trying to bust them. And he has a chance to share the gospel with them as well, too, which is really cool. And so um, some ways you can help. to just go out. something I'm going to be collecting toys here. in the back. Um, if you guys want any more information you um, want to talk to us will be available in the back after the table. There's our information if you want to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, our website as well. We also have sure shirts in the back that all the money goes to